with me to Revelation chapter 5. <clears throat> we will conclude tonight. I anticipate concluding tonight this series on the oneness of God. Tonight, Jesus, absolutely God. Jesus, absolutely God. Look at your neighbor and, and say to them, Jesus, absolutely God. We're going to have an awesome time tonight. We really are. The primary focus tonight will be worship. Amen. Revelation chapter 5 in the word of the Lord tonight. If you have that, say amen. Verse 8 is where we will begin reading tonight. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vows full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation, <clears throat> and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's just a good way of saying innumerable. Saying with a loud voice, loud voice. It is not going to be quiet in heaven. If you're shy about worshiping here, prayerfully, hopefully, if you get a glorified body, you'll get rid of that. Because it's going to be very loud in heaven. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that setteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> Romans, Romans 9 verse, verse 5. Romans 9, 5. Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, 
who is over all God blessed forever or God worshiped forever. Amen. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor tonight. <clears throat> we thank you for your awesome spirit. We're here tonight to lift you up and to praise you and to adore you and to glorify you, to bless your holy name, O oh God. For you alone are God and you are absolutely God. Lord, I lift you up in praise and adoration tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I worship your name. The name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Which means that God has absolute rule and authority over all his creation. And it also means he's free to do whatever he wills. When he wills it. He doesn't have to ask questions. Because he is unquestionably God. You cannot question him because he is God. He is absolutely God. Jesus is absolutely God. He is sovereign. Again, sovereignty means he is absolute, has absolute rule and authority over all his creation. And he does what he will when he wills to do it. He is free. He is not bound. And he is not limited by the ideas of men. What he wills, what he chooses to do, that he does. Because <laughs> he has absolute power and authority because he's sovereign. Amen. So Jesus Christ is absolutely God. Because he is sovereign, he is absolutely God. Which means to be absolute means there is no imperfection in him. Jesus in his deity and Jesus as God, there is no imperfection and there is no mixture in him. He is absolutely pure God in his deity. Do you believe that tonight? And if Jesus receives worship and praise, then he has to be God. Woo. The doxologies, the doxa, the worship, the praise that go to him. Without anything else in the Bible, the fact that he is worshipped declares that he is absolutely God. Because only God is to be worshipped. And if you worship Jesus, then he must be absolutely God. Woo. And Revelation chapter 5, creation. The redeemed and creation. Angels get a glimpse of his sovereignty. They see him sitting on the throne. Absolutely God. And because of a revelation of God sitting on the throne. In all of his sovereignty. Absolute power and control. And rulership over everything in the universe. They break forth in a doxology of praise and worship unto Jesus. Who is absolutely God. 
You must know God in order to worship God. You cannot worship God if you don't know God. So we worship that which is sovereign and that which is sovereign is God. His name is Jesus. Say amen. I love him with all my heart. So the fact that Revelation sees him worshiped and praised in Romans 9, 5 says that he is only God. He is absolutely God and he is to be blessed forever. Declares clearly that Jesus is absolutely God. Do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? You can't pray to him if he's not God. You can't pray to him. If he's not the Father, you can't worship him if he's not God. You can't praise him if he's not God. If he is not sovereign, then you are in great error to worship him or pray to him. But I'm glad tonight I know who he is, that he is absolutely God, which means he is sovereign. And we worship that which is sovereign. And if you worship, that means you're pouring your life into that that you worship come on somebody which means you have to be careful with what you fall in love with because what you fall in love with is what you pour your life into and when you worship God that is a pouring into him of your life there's a lot of people who are worshiping the wrong thing They're pouring their life into the wrong things. God is to be worshipped. He is sovereign and I love him tonight. And that which you love, you will pour yourself into. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. David said, we read Acts and I'm going to just go back a little bit. I'm not going to read to you now, but Acts chapter 2. He said, the Lord said unto my Lord. Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. You sit on the throne. Hallelujah. You be sovereign until I make your enemies your footstool. Are you with me here? So David had a revelation that Jesus was God. Are you here? He had a revelation that Jesus was God. And he had a revelation that Jesus was sovereign. That he was the ruler. That he was Adonai. Say amen. And you know how David worshipped. David worshipped God because he knew God. I'm telling you, you can't worship God if you don't know him as God. Because it's not based on how you feel. It's not based on your circumstance. It's not based on your situation. It is based on the fact that he is God. I praise him for what he's done. But I worship him because of who he is. You can praise something or something without it having to be God. But you cannot worship something without it being God to you. Hallelujah. So I praise him for what he does. 
but I worship him because he's God. So it doesn't matter how I feel, what I think, circumstance, situation, problem, or blessing. Doesn't make any difference. I will worship him because I know that he is God. And David knew God. And because David knew God, he worshiped God. Hallelujah, Jesus. John chapter 4. The Bible tells us about a young Samaritan woman. John 4, the Bible says, verse 9. The scripture says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, She is speaking to Jesus, right? How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, say drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Say amen. amen. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, If you knew who was talking to you, If you knew that I'm God, Give to me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir. Now she starts out calling him Sir. As she goes through, she gets more revelation. Telling you, you got to have revelation or you'll never worship. You have to have a revelation that Jesus is God or you'll never worship. So she starts out, she says, Sir. Thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Say, the well is deep. deep. Now, now keep this in mind because I'm fixing to go with you to Psalm 42. And I'm going to show you a parallel that's going to blow your mind. Hallelujah. The woman said, the well is deep. Look at your neighbor and say, the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us... The well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband in that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So now she's getting a little bit better revelation. She sees him as Sir. Now he tells her his life. And she says, Now I perceive you're a prophet. So we've gone from Sir to prophet. Amen. The scripture says, our fathers, now here she goes. 
she goes into this question concerning worship. Say worship. She says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship who? The Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. There's a lot of people who worship, but they don't know what they're worshiping. They don't know who they're worshiping. They don't know what they're worshiping. They don't have a revelation that Jesus is absolutely God. You worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. Let me stop right there. I don't think I'm talking to anybody here tonight that doesn't know who you worship. There might be some other churches somewhere down the road. They don't have any idea that Jesus is Almighty God. They have no idea that He is absolutely God. So they don't know who they worship. But I'm looking at some people tonight. Who are the apostolic guardians of the fact that Jesus is absolutely God. And because of that, you are the greatest worshipers in the world. Because you know who you worship. Nobody can worship like you. Nobody can worship like apostolics. Nobody can worship like you. Because you know what you worship. Jesus says we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is. When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The only way to worship God is in spirit and in truth. Because that's the only way that you can contact God is by your spirit. The only way to contact God is by your spirit. Say amen. amen. So to be a true worshiper, you've got to worship God in spirit and in truth. You've got to have a revelation that He is God. You've got to know what you're worshiping. You've got to know who you're worshiping to be a true worshiper. And the only way to worship is your spirit to come in contact with God, which means you know that God is God. Are you hearing me? If you don't get a revelation of this, all your problems are going to stop your praise. All your problems are going to stop your worship. The way you feel will stop your worship. But if you know that God is God, you know that Jesus is absolutely God, you know what you're worshiping, why you worship it, and you're in contact with Him by the Spirit. True worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. Now watch this. Say amen. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. So if you worship Jesus, then you worship Him. He is sovereign. If you worship Jesus, then He must be absolutely God. If you worship Jesus, He must be absolutely the Father. Watch this. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But I already showed you Revelation 5 where people are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they've got a revelation that He is absolutely God. They've got a revelation that He is sovereign. God is a spirit. 
And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah, Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am God. You're looking at me. So she's gone from sir to prophet to you're the Christos. You are Jesus the Christ. You are Messiah. You are God come in the flesh. Jesus said, I that speak to thee am he. What he's saying is I'm God. You have just come face to face with God. Now, I don't know if you get the significance of this, but when you get a revelation that Jesus is absolutely God, and you begin to pull yourself into his sovereignty as God, then what happens is time stops. Give God some praise. <clears throat> because, listen to me, honey. Oh, I hear dice. Honey bunch, juicy fruit, sweetie pie, sugar plum. Listen to me tonight. Hallelujah in the mighty name of Jesus. If you don't understand at this point, Jesus' ministry was to the Jewish people. It was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was not for Samaritans. And it was not for Gentiles at this time. Her worship interfered with his plan. Her worship interfered with time. The disciples can't even understand why Jesus would even be talking to a woman. Much less a Samaritan. She can't even understand why Jesus would be talking to her because she says the Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. But her worship is going to interfere with time. So that Jesus is going to talk with her and deal with her before her time as a Samaritan. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So that God, Jesus, is sovereign even over time. So you can stop time if you worship. Not only can you stop time when you worship... You don't have to wait on time. You will interfere with the plan of Jesus as a worshiper. You will stop time. You won't even have to wait on time. Well, I think I'll wait to worship when I see it. No, if you will start worshiping right now, you don't have to wait for time. God said, I'll speed it up and I'll bring it to you. There is something very powerful with getting a revelation that Jesus is absolutely God. And worshiping him in his sovereignty and pouring your life into him. He will bring things to you before time Woo, hallelujah because he is not limited to time why because he is sovereign he's in control even over time some of you say well I'm just waiting on God well I tell you what you do you can interfere 
if you worship, you can interfere with time. You can interfere with his plan. You're not hearing me tonight. Jesus takes her to the heart of the matter. The conversation has to do with water. He says, if you ask me, I'll give you water that's going to spring up inside of you. It's going to spring up into everlasting life. Listen to me. He says, the water that I give you, if you drink this water, you will never thirst again. You'll never be thirsty again. Are you here? If you would just get a revelation that I am God and you will worship me, you'll never thirst again because I will come inside of you. And I will quench your thirst. And I will stop time in its tracks because you have interfered with me with your worship. Come on, somebody. God is not limited to time. He is sovereign over time. Jesus is sovereign over time. He dwells in eternity. Are you here tonight? So I have got to understand that Jesus is God and then worship him as God. And before my time, God can bring it to me. Whatever. Come on, somebody. He can quench my thirst because really what I'm thirsty for is God. Now go to Psalm 42 with me. Psalm 42. Hallelujah. That's why you worshipers, you move in the things of the Spirit like nobody else. Things happen for you like nobody else because you're a worshiper. You've got a revelation that Jesus is absolutely God and you only worship that which is sovereign. And because of that, you're no longer thirsty. He satisfies. Psalm 42, David knew that Jesus was God. He understood God in his godness. Praise God. He he knew God. Let me put it that way. Do you know God tonight? If you know him, then you're worshiping. His name is Jesus. Listen to what David said. Psalm 42. The heading over Psalm 42. To the chief musician... Maskell for the sons of Korah. David gave this song to the sons of Korah. Did you hear that? It doesn't say that the sons of Korah wrote this. It says that this song was given to the sons of Korah. Now look at what David says in this psalm. He says, David is writing this. He's going to give it to the chief musicians. He's going to give it to them to give to the sons of Korah. Because the sons of Korah are the only ones that can sing this song. Because they are the only ones who have a revelation of God at this depth. Say amen. So David begins to write. He's writing this to be given to the sons of Korah. He says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Just like the heart is thirsty after the water brooks. 
David said, my soul is panting after thee, O God. I am thirsty for you, O God. Natural water will not quench this thirst. Natural water will not satisfy this thirst. It is God that he is after in this passage. That's what Jesus is trying to tell the woman of Samaria. She said, he said, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Because you've got a revelation of God. You have met God and you know God. He goes on, he says, David says, My soul thirsteth for God. Hallelujah. For the living God. When shall I come? And be appear before God. There is something at this point in David's life that he has lost. He's thirsty for God. He knows God. But he's lost something. He says, when am I going to appear in the presence of the Lord again? Right? When shall I come and appear before God? What is he saying here? Well, he's out there running. He's out of the church right now. He's away from the presence of the Lord. Come on, somebody. The presence of the Lord is located in the temple. And when David was away from the temple, he longed to be in the presence of God that was in that temple. He's away from church. He's away from the presence of the Lord. And he is thirsty for God once again. He has gotten away from God. He's gotten away from the presence of the Lord. And he he longs to get back to God. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but maybe you have. You have drifted away from God and you long to get back to God, to get back in the church and to get the church back in you. And you long to feel his presence again. And you're thirsty for God. Come on, anybody here? He goes on, he says in verse 3. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Notice David was such an awesome worshiper that even when he wasn't in the presence of the Lord or couldn't feel his presence and he was away from church, he still worshiped God. I'm asking you tonight, can you worship him as God because you know he's in absolute control? Can you worship him even if he don't send a bunch of miracle signs and wonders your way? Can you worship him if some kind of, you know, if he don't come in here tonight and turn off, you know, turn on all these fireworks for you, will you still worship him in the hard time? The only way that you'll worship God in the hard times is if you know that he is God. If you understand that God is God. If you know like David knew God, then you'll worship God. He said, my tears. He said, I've been crying. They've been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Now, who is that that says, where is thy God? Well, let me bring the literal to you. 
Where is thy God is what the tears are asking David. David where is your God? Why are you suffering like this? Why are you hurting like this? Every tear that rolled down his face was asking David where is thy God? But David said you know what? He's still God to me and I will worship him even when I don't know where he is. Even when I can't find him, locate him, understand him. He's still my God because I know that he's God. Do you have that kind of experience? That even when you don't understand, you're still worship? Because you know he is in control. You know he's God. And you know he's sovereign. So you'll still worship him even when tears are running down your face. God, I don't know where you are, but I love you. I don't understand what you're doing, God, but I love you. I am lost, but I still will worship you because you are my God. You are sovereign. Are you getting? The, are you starting to feel the feel the psalm? Listen. Now, he starts talking about what had happened in the past. He says this: When I remembered these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. I can't go there right now. He said, but there was a time. What I had done in the past is I had gone with them to the house of God. I have gone to the temple where the presence of God is located. And there when I got there with the multitudes, I praised him and I worshiped him. Give God some praise. He said, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holy day. He said, I went up to the, to, the, to the temple to worship God at the feast of Passover. I went at the feast of Pentecost. I went at the feast of Tabernacles. And I ascended up and I worshiped God there. But now I'm away from the church. I'm away from his house. I'm away from God. I'm troubled, but I'm still going to praise him. I remember what I used to do. I pray to God that never happens to any of you that you get away from God to get away from his church because there will always be a cry in your heart for the presence of God Almighty. I pray there never comes a time in your life where you say what I used to do. How we used to do it. What we used to have. I pray that never happens to you. David remembers what had happened in times past. How he went up and he worshiped God. He praised God. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 5. He asks, he sings this. He says, why art thou cast down on my soul? He said, you know what? I know, you know, you're discouraged and you're down. Why are you cast down? It's time for you to worship God. Because he is God. You know he's God. And you know he's in control. You don't understand. Woo, hallelujah. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Why are you quiet? He's talking to his soul. Hallelujah. He said, Hallelujah. Hope thou in who? God. I, for I shall yet praise him. He said, even when my soul don't want to praise him, he said, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to worship him because he's God. Have you ever been to that place that David was? You can worship God no matter what because he is God. 
Oh, hallelujah. If you can do that, then you're getting ready, you're getting ready to interfere with time. He said, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I need the light of his countenance. I need God's favor on me. I'm looking for God. I don't know where God is, but I'm going to praise him anyway. I don't know. I'm away from his house, but I'm going to praise him anyway. I remember what I used to do, and I'm going to praise him right now. I want God's favor on my life. I need the light of his countenance to shine on me tonight. So I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. He might be angry with me tonight, but I'm going to worship him. And as I, as I worship him, then he's going to change his countenance. And look upon me with favor because I need God's favor in my life. You want God's favor? Worship him. You want to stop time? Worship him. But you've got to get a revelation of his sovereignty. You've got to get a revelation that Jesus is absolutely God. He said, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites or from Mount Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. He said, right now, he said, my soul's all discouraged. It's cast down. But I'm looking at the Jordan. I'm looking at Hermon. And I'm looking at the hill of Mizar. What in the world, David, are you talking about? why would you put that right in the middle here David about looking to praise God the Bible says I'll remember thee he said I'm going to remember thee from the land of Jordan Hermon from the hill why David because Mount Hermon oh yes Mount Hermon hallelujah hallelujah somebody say praise the Lord Mount Hermon, snow-capped Mount Hermon. When the snow begins to melt, the waters run down off the mountain. And that quenches the thirsty land. David said, I'm thirsty and I'm going to worship him. The woman at the well said, I'm thirsty. God said, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. David said, I've got something to remember now. I remember that Mount Hermon, those snow-capped mountains. Hallelujah, how the water flowed down when it began to melt. What you need to understand is that awesome mountain called Mount Hermon had three peaks on it. Three peaks on it. Say amen. amen. Three peaks on Mount Hermon. If you want to check me out, go to the encyclopedia. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And look under Mount Hermon. And the pictorial encyclopedia of the Bible will tell you that Mount Hermon had three summits on it. Three peaks. But how many mountains were there? One mountain. So David said, I've got a revelation. I see God in that mountain. I know there's one mountain, but it's got three manifestations. Not three mountains, but one mountain. Three manifestations of one God. So I don't really understand sometimes. I get a glimpse of one, one peak on that mountain, that's Father. I get a glimpse of another peak on that mountain, that's Son. I get a glimpse of another peak on that mountain, that's Holy Ghost. But there's one mountain, three manifestations of one God. David had a revelation of God in Christ. Give God some praise. Woo, hallelujah. 
So there's times when you have to remember Mount Hermon. He said, I know that's no cap mountain. It's going to flow down with water and quench my thirst. But it's God that I'm after here. All oh, this is just symbolism. He said, this mountain reminds me of God. Hallelujah. It reminds me of God in his three manifestations. But there's only one mountain. And this God who will manifest himself in three ways is the one that's going to quench my thirst. That's why Jesus said, if you knew who it was that spoke unto you, you would ask of me and I would give you water springing up into everlasting life. You would never thirst again. But you need a revelation of the sovereignty of God. Say amen. Woo, hallelujah. 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 David knew God. He understood God. And he was a worshiper of God. Now watch this. Woo, hallelujah. Woo, woo. Remember the woman at the well? She said, hey, the well's deep. And so... Verse 7, deep calls unto deep. <laughs> Jesus said, it don't matter how deep you think the well is. Just get deep and let deep call out to deep. Because deep will call to deep. You need to get a revelation of God. You need to understand the deep things of God. You need to understand the goodness of God and the sovereignty of God. God, Jesus is absolutely God. I know no greater, deeper thing than understanding that Jesus is absolutely God. There is no deeper preaching than what I have been preaching to you for weeks and weeks and weeks. There is nothing deeper than understanding that Jesus is absolutely God. He said, deep calls unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves, thy billows are gone over me. He said, I still worship you even when I'm dead. Hallelujah. You can put me in a grave. You can put me in a grave, but I'm still going to worship you. Amen. One place David said, the, don't, the dead don't praise you. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, are you dead tonight? The dead don't praise him. This prophecy about Jesus Christ, of course, you know. But David said, hey, you know what? It don't matter all those sea billows, the waves and all that. The, the, the sea, the billows over me, it doesn't matter. He said, I'm still going to worship God because I know he is my God. He is in control. Now watch. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yet. Say yet. Verse 8. The Lord. Yet. The Lord. David said, the Lord said unto my Lord. Sit there on my right hand until I make that enemy's eye footstool. He got a revelation that God was God. That Jesus is absolutely God. Now listen. He said, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. God is going to be merciful to me. God is going to be kind to me. Because I love him. He is my God. And nothing can stop me from worshiping him. Yeah. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and the night. His song shall be with me. And my prayer unto God of my life. He said, I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to keep worshiping him. He is my Lord. He is my God. He's going to be kind to me. He's going to be merciful. Now, I'm going fast. I know this, but you can think fast. 
And in the night, his song shall be with me. I'm going to sing when it's dark. And my prayer unto the God of my life. Hallelujah. That's why I'll pour my life into him. I'll worship him because he is the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Amen. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down? Now, he sings it again. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He said, I'm going to keep worshiping him because he is my God. Come on, I need some worshipers in this house. I need somebody to get a revelation of this truth. Some of you need to get a revelation of this to the point that it gets you off of your pew and gets you running. It gets you off of your pew and gets you dancing. It gets you off of your pew and gets you singing. It gets you off of your pew and gets you running. It gets, come on, praise God. Doesn't matter what it looks like, He's my God and He's sovereign in control. He's kind to me. He's merciful to me. He's compassionate to me. He, is show, he has showed His sovereign grace to me. Now watch this. Watch this. This thirsty man for God. Who says, I'm going to worship God. I'm away from God. I'm away from His house. I want to get back to His house and get His house in me. I want to worship this God in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter what's going on. I remember what I used to have. But I got to get back. Amen. Somebody say amen. I am thirsty. Are you here tonight? And he begins to sing praises about God's loving kindness, His mercy. His mercy that was showed. David was showed mercy too. Now watch this. So David, under inspiration of God, he says, you take what I have written here and you give it to the sons of Korah. Because nobody can sing this song like they can. Because nobody has lost like they lost. Nobody got in a place where they didn't understand like the sons of Korah didn't understand. Nobody ever got into a darker situation than the sons of Korah did. Are you here right now? Give God praise. You see, there's some songs that nobody can sing but you. There's some messages that nobody can preach but you because you lived it and you have been there. They might pick up the lyrics and they might pick up the soundtrack and they might try their best, but it just doesn't have the power and the anointing there because they're not the right ones to sing the song. But David said, I've got to get just the exact right people to sing this song. People who understand what this song is all about. And only the sons of Korah can sing it like that. So give it to the sons of Korah. People who have experienced the sovereign grace of God. Numbers 26. Now listen, hang with me just a minute. Numbers 26. You remember the story. You can read Numbers 16 and get the whole story. But Numbers 26 gives it to us in a condensed form. 
Now keep in mind, and I'm not going to read it tonight, but keep in mind 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 22 through 30. 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 22 through 30 tells you that the sons of Korah were worship leaders. Now, where in the world did they learn that? If you read 1 Chronicles 6, you will find out that their daddy Korah, their daddy Korah was famous in Israel for worship. Oh God, I felt the Holy Ghost jumped all over me. He was famous as a Levite for worshiping God. But he got disgruntled with his office. And he wanted the office of Moses. Are you hearing me tonight? He didn't like what he was doing in the camp. He wanted Moses' job. Oh, that happens a lot. If I can't get that job, I won't do anything. I'll just set my seat right here. That's what happened to Korah. That's the spirit he got. But he was an awesome worship leader. Who lost focus of his purpose. He lost sight of God. He lost sight of the significance of being a worshiper. And he said, I want Moses' job. Now watch. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Numbers 26. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm feeling good all over. I feel good all over and better. Better than I do anywhere else. Whatever that means. <laughs> Numbers 26, verse 9. And the sons of Eliah, Nimiel, and Datham, and Abiram. This is that Datham, and Abiram, which were famous in the congregation. Who strove against Moses and against Aaron in the company of who? Korah. When they strove against the Lord. Now watch this. And the earth opened her mouth. And they were hidden for hell. I think I better interject something. After I preached that that Sunday night the other morning, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you know what? He said, you said something about production. That I'm a God who wants production. And people who do not produce in the house of the Lord are hidden for hell. He said, let me explain what I meant by that. Because when I said it, I didn't know what he meant. But I said it. But he said this. Remember the man with the talents. The man with the talents hid his talent. And the Bible said that God cast him into outer darkness because he hid his talent. You better be careful. Korah. What they plotted in their tents, they hid, they were hidden for hell. And so the Bible says that Nathan and Abiram, Nathan and Abiram, and Korah, the scripture says, when they strove against Moses, they strove against the Lord, the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together. With Korah, they went straight down to hell. When that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men, they became a sign. The 250 men that were with Korah, Datham and Abiram, the fire consumed them. So you've got two dominions in operation because God rules in every dominion. You've got the dominion of the heavens, the fire, and you've got the dominion of the earth. 
opening up. Now watch this. But here's what I want you to see. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. Give it to the sons of Korah. Woo, come on, come on. Come on, I'm going to show you something powerful. Give it to the sons of Korah. Well, I'm going to just show it to you because you're not going to believe me if I don't. First Chronicles 6. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ooh, yeah, you know what? I had my handkerchief right there. And I didn't... Ooh, yeah. Verse 22, the sons of Kohath, Aminadab, his son Korah, his son Aser, his son, Elkanah, his son, and Abatav, his son, and Aser, his son, and Tayoth, his son, and Uriel, his son, Uzziah, his son, and Shaul, his son, and the sons of Elkanah, and on and on it goes. Now watch this. Verse 30, Shimei, his son, Haggai, his son, Isaiah, his son, and these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord after that the ark had rest. And they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then they waited in their office according to their order. So what I'm trying to tell you, the Bible says... That Korah, Datham, and Abiram got swallowed up in hell. And the 250 men that were behind them were, were burned up with fire. Hallelujah. But the scripture says the sons of Korah died not. Why did they not die? Well, it had to do with their attitude. It had to do with their spirit. But because, because daddy was a worshiper, they knew how to worship. And so, could it be, it's, I'm just giving it to you, could it be that when their daddy got swallowed up and fell it straight into hell because of his revolt and rebellion against God and against Moses, could it be that the sons of Korah said, the only thing we know to do right now is to worship God. And when they begin to worship God as God, they, watch this, Worship interfered with destruction. Worship interfered with judgment. Worship stopped. The wrath of God. And they experienced the sovereign grace of God because they were worshipers. They had a revelation of the grace of God. David said, you take this song and you give it to them because nobody can sing it like they can sing. They know what it's like to suffer loss and still praise. They know what it's like to look at hell in the face and worship. They understand what it's like to be crying over the loss of their daddy, but still worship him. They understand how to worship God and not blame Moses. They understand how to praise God when the tears of their necessary meet. They understand how to worship God when they don't understand God. They know how to worship God when it doesn't make sense to them. 
David said give it to the sons of Korah because they know that God is God and they have experienced the sovereignty of God's grace nobody can sing it like they can sing it and I'm telling you tonight nobody can sing like I can sing You might try to outdo me, but you can't outdo me. I got nobody can sing like I can sing because I know what it's like to experience God's grace. I could have been dead in hell, but God gave me grace. I could have died and would. There's somebody in here, though, that might be able to worship and sing louder than me. And that's somebody that's gone away from God. And somebody that was thirsty, and they were away from the presence of the Lord and away from the church. Hallelujah. And they were thirsty to get back in the presence of the Lord. And they experienced the goodness and the grace of God, the loving kindness of God. And now they stand in his house and they lead the singing and they lead the praise and they lead the worship. And by that, they have interfered with God's wrath. Anybody can praise him. Anybody can praise him over a blessing. But can you still sing when you don't understand? Can you still worship when the tears are flowing? The only way you possibly can is because you know he's sovereign. You know he's God. And he's got everything under control. It doesn't matter what I feel like, what I look like, doesn't matter. I have messed up, I have screwed up, I have I've twisted off, but God's grace, his sovereignty has spared me. Why? Because I'm a worshiper. I'm a praiser. <coughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you who who can sing that song. Somebody that doesn't feel worthy. Somebody that needs God's grace. Somebody's messed up real bad. People who say, I don't even know where you are, God. I don't understand. But I know you're God. And you're my God. And I believe, God, that no matter how much I've messed up, You'll still show me love and kindness in the morning. You'll show me love and kindness in the new day. David understood the sovereignty of God. He says, give the song to the sons of Korah. Because they understand the sovereignty of God in worship like nobody in the whole camp of Israel. I pray tonight... That you get a revelation of God. That you get a revelation of His sovereignty. That no matter what is going on in you or your family. Just say, God, I'm going to worship you tonight. I know I deserve death. I know I deserve judgment. I know I should have went to hell with my daddy. But my worship suspended. The sin of my daddy. 
your worship will suspend sin if you'll bring it to God. He's looking for worshipers. David, listen in closing. David was the chiefest worshiper in all Israel. It was his job to accumulate all of these psalms to be the hymns of the church. He was the chief worshiper of Israel because he knew God. He knew God. You with me? Have you ever wondered why some people make it and others don't? Because they don't have a revelation of God. Because any little disappointment comes their way, they throw their hands up. And they fail to fulfill their assignment. But let me tell you something. When we do warfare, we don't do warfare for God for us. We do warfare for God for God. And when David went forth and he slew Goliath, he didn't slay Goliath. For David, he killed Goliath for God. And you've got to have that kind of revelation of God. Because if you don't, everything you do, your prayer, your praise, your worship, all has, it's all centered and surrounds you. Rather than lifting up and glorifying Jesus who is absolutely God. So that in Revelation chapter 5, when God begins to open the sealed judgments, and He begins to pour out His judgment upon the earth, what do they do? They worship. They worship. Because it is the worshipers who will interfere with judgment upon them. But you have to understand, your life is for His glory and for His honor. Not for you, for Him. You win a battle, it's a battle you won for God, not for you. And we stand up and we say, okay God, I just want to stand up and testify tonight to the glory of God. And I worship and I pray and I fast and I got the victory. Well, that's okay, that's good, that comes with it. But you see where our focus is, is what that got us. <laughs> Instead of saying, when I worshipped, the enemy was defeated because my God is worthy of my praise. Because he is who he is. I worship him as God. I praise him. I shout. I sing. When David walked out in the battlefield and he faced Goliath, he didn't say, you're coming down for David's sake. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. He killed Goliath because Goliath was challenging God. And because David was, a, listen to me. David was a worshiper from his teens. The giant fell. It would have never fallen if he went out there for David. It fell because he was a worshiper of God. Do you hear what I'm trying to help you understand tonight? 
see, I need this because sometimes when I pray, I don't, there's, no, there's no fireworks going off. There's no powerful miracles or, or angels appearing to me in this church. Can I keep praying? Can I keep worshiping when I don't see any of that? Do I have enough faith? Do I understand God? Have a revelation of God to the point that, hey, you know what? It's about God giving Him glory anyway. He is God blessed forever. That is the purpose of my life. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. If something good happens, you need to stand up and say, Lord, I bless you tonight. I testify tonight because God is awesome. I don't testify tonight because it happened to me or for me. I testify tonight because God is God. He is worth. Are you hearing me tonight? And if you don't word it just that way, then at least fill it in your spirit. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because it's God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Because I love him. I pour my life into him. Now can I say and can you say that we've always done that perfectly and that we have been pure in our praise and pure in our worship and pure in our prayer without any ulterior motives? There's not one person in this house that can say that. But I pray at some point when you go through a tough time, I'm going to worship him anyway. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise him anyway. I made up my mind I'm going to live for him and serve him and worship him. You know, because listen, the only way you're serving and the only way you're trusting is if you understand his sovereignty. That he does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And he don't ask anybody any questions. Because he's sovereign. He has absolute authority and right to rule his universe. Which means he has to be omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Because you cannot rule the whole universe if, you don't, if you're not all that. So he is Jesus, absolutely God. Good night. Go home. Praise the Lord. I'm full. I pray you are. I'm done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I glorified him tonight.